This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. We're continuing in our series entitled Between Sundays. It's all based on the book of James. And hopefully you've been reading the book of James. If you haven't, could I encourage you, just take a few minutes. It's five chapters. It's not a hard read. And I promise you, there is something in there that will speak to you. Uh, if, if anything, it should show you we're in the third week of this, and we're still in chapter one. That should tell you there's some pretty good things in there. But James has got to be one of the most practical, one of the most applicable, clear and direct books of the Bible. I mean, it, it just has so much that can speak directly to us. The central theme behind the book of James is action, not just talk. It's all about how we live our lives from Sunday to Sunday. He's saying, show me your faith by your works. He's saying, show me how spiritual you are by how you behave. Show me that you're hearing from God by being a doer of his word. And so just to recap real quick, we began chapter, or excuse me, week one by talking about James himself, the brother of Jesus, and how he was not a believer in Jesus until Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he had an experience with Jesus that not only changed his life, it changed his identity. From there, he had an experience that made him never to be the same again. And with his identity changed, it happened through his heart changing. And so this book is leading us in what that should look like for us. Because of Christ, our identity changes. Therefore, our character, our attitude, our speech, everything about us changes. Now for James, it wasn't, again, until he had that experience with Jesus. It didn't start with rules. It didn't start with details. It started with a life-changing experience. Now, I promised a couple of weeks ago that I would not use football analogies for a a long time. Well, it's been two weeks, coming on the third week today. So uh, this is really about Tessa, but it has to do with football. So you can see it as a Tessa illustration if you don't want it to be a football illustration. But a few months ago, Tessa just found this love for football. She wanted to watch with me. She started asking questions about it. She was talking about the season hadn't even began, and she's talking about, hey, I want to learn more about football. She was very interested, but I didn't sit with her and go, okay, Tessa, before you can watch a game, before you go to a game, you've got to learn the rules. Right. I didn't do that. No, actually, we got tickets to the home opener of the Northwest Bearcats, and I said, Tessa, I've got tickets. You want to go? She was all excited. So we went. She sat the entire game and watched the game. She loved it. And after that, I was like, you think that's fun? Then we got to go to a Chiefs game. So we got Chiefs tickets to the home opener Thursday night when they were at home. I mean, like, the parking lot was packed the moment we got there. Everybody's tailgating, having their good times. We get in. Of course, the energy in that place, if you've been, you know what I'm talking about. And she went home, all the ride home. She's going, oh, I mean, just singing it. She loved the whole experience. Her love for football only grew from that moment, but didn't start by me saying, okay, Tessa, you can't do this until you learn the rules. It started by giving her a vision of what football is. 
Now, the reason we keep sharing testimonies like Kylie's this morning and Shane and uh, Jeremiah and Mandy, the reason for that is, is to give you a vision of what God can do. It's a vision of how God can transform your life to where your whole identity changes. And some of you, for years, you've been coming to church just living by the rules, week after week, year after year, with no transformation. You're trying to follow Christ by rules, yet your heart has never been stunned. There's never been a transformation in your heart by the power of God. Now that Tessa has seen a vision of what football is, she wants to know everything about it. We can't even sit down and watch a game without her going, okay, Dad, what's that mean? Who's that player? Why does that, why'd they run it like that? She wants to know everything about it. And when your heart has truly been stunned by the power of God to the point where you're transformed, where you're a completely different person, you want to know everything there is to know about God. You want to know how to play by the rules. You want to know how to win the game. All because of the experience you had with Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what happened to James. Now, believe it or not, that has nothing to do with my message today. <laughs> but I wanted to reinforce what we talked about week one. I wanted you to understand. And again, I concluded the sermon that very first opening day of James. I asked this question at the very end, and I think it's worth asking again. When was the last time you had such a real encounter with Christ that something changed? that it truly caused your whole identity to change. Week two, last week we talked about trials and temptations. We learned as mature believers we can have joy in the midst of trials, not because of the trial. We're not finding joy in the trial itself, but the trial is the path to maturity. It's helping us to grow. It's, it's teaching us how to adapt and what we need to learn from that. A trial is a reminder of how inadequate we are without Christ, but that he is enough. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He is enough. Today, we're going to do a sermon entitled Doers and Hearers. Doers and Hearers. Today, we're going to read a scripture that I believe is one of the most difficult scriptures to obey. So before I get to it, let me just remind you of one other scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, all scripture. Will you say that with me? Say all scripture. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Every word of God's word, every word in this Bible is God-breathed. It's as if God is speaking to us. It's useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, we learn from James, man, he went from brother of Jesus to servant, not only of God, but of his own brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, knowing that, as we read the scripture that we're going to tackle today, I want you to hear this as if God is speaking to you himself. Can we do that? James chapter 1, if you want to follow along, it's verses 19 through 27. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Here's where we're going to be today. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Well, that's a hard part. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, that's a mouthful. There's lots we can take from this scripture today, and I pray that whatever I say, Lord, may it not distract what you want to say. I pray that this scripture that we just read, it's as alive and active as if the first day it was written. And it can speak to our hearts today, and I pray that our hearts are receptive to what you want to say. That we would be doers and not just hearers only. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James wants this knowledge to go past our minds and make it into our hearts. That's the goal here. These verses are typically taken in context to our human relationships, and that there's definitely application for that. But it seems that James is also pointing to the way that we respond not only to human relationships, but to the truth of God's Word being spoken into our life. We have to be quick to listen when God is speaking to us. We have to be slow to speak. Now, if we were to step back and look at the entire book of James, all five uh, chapters, honestly, if you were, I would encourage you to even do this. Go back in Matthew and read the Sermon on the Mount. And you would find that James is really a brief commentary of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. James is not really repeating, but he's reinforcing what Jesus has already said. Let me give you some quick examples of this. Just one to be specific, the doers and hearers. James said this just a moment ago we read, if we hear the word of God and we do not obey it, we are deceiving ourselves. It's an indictment on us as Christians to hear the word of God but not obey it, right? So look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. These are Jesus' words, and here's what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It is the doers that are going to enter the kingdom. Not just those who hear a great message or hear the words of God, but walk away never changing. It's the ones who actually put it into practice. Now Jesus goes from saying that to talking about the wise and foolish builders. So in chapter 7, verse 24, just three verses later, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What we're doing when we take the words of God and we literally apply them to our life and we put them into practice is we're building a foundation. We're building our house on a rock that is going to be strong and sturdy that no matter what life throws our way, we're going to be able to withstand whatever it is. 
Why? Because we're being doers of his word. Both James and Jesus are driving home a strong point that we need to heed. And that is that there are church people, there are followers of Jesus that come to church, look the part, claim to be believers, but they are not. They're deceiving themselves if they think we can claim the name of Christ, read God's word, but not obey what it says we should do. Church, it's a part of living, being in a small group. Is We're taking like what we're actually talking about and we're breaking that down. And we're saying, okay, how can I apply this to my life? Where does this fit into what happened to me last week or what I can apply to what's coming ahead? If you're a note taker, I would just encourage you to write this down. This might be something you want to remember. Our works are evidence of our salvation. Our works are evidence of our salvation. Another way to say that is our outward fruit points toward an inward transformation. What you see happening on the outside is just an example of what's going on on the inside. And if there's nothing different than anyone else, maybe that is telling you something. Maybe something hasn't happened on the inside that should. See, we used to look, what what use is it, what he says here, James says this. He says, what use is it to look in the mirror and see like a dirty face and messy hair and then go, you know what, Ah, I don't need to wash my face, I don't need to fix my hair, I'll just go like this. You ever been out to eat with someone at a restaurant and halfway through the meal, maybe at the end of the meal, you go to the restroom and you're washing your hands and you look and you've got like lettuce or spinach in your teeth. Everybody has experienced this at some point in your life. You don't see that and go, oh, well, I hope they get used to that. That'll look nice. I'll go back to work with that. Hey, how are you? And we just, no, the first thing you're going to do, you're embarrassed already and then you're cleaning that out. You don't just leave it. And he says, the one who hears and obeys is like a person that looks in the mirror and then changes based on what they see. I see a flaw here. I see a mistake. I see a problem. I need to fix it. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that's not easy. In our own strength, in our own power, it is very difficult to be a doer of the word. But here's something I want you to understand. It is the power of the word that enables us to be a doer of the word. It is the power of the very word that we're reading that is going to enable us to be a doer of the word. And so if we know that, then we have to be willing to hear the words that he's speaking to us. Which leads us to verse 19, where James said, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, anger, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So four things we're going to talk about this morning. They're right there on the bulletin. If you want to follow along, you can. The first thing is this, to be quick to listen. We're just going to break down each one of these four things that James just told us. We need to be quick to listen. Anybody ever heard of Eric Weyenmeyer? Anybody? No no hands? Okay. This will blow your mind. Eric Weinmeier, he's one crazy dude. He loves to skydive, snow ski, climb mountains. One of his most well, things he's most well known for is mountain climbing. He has climbed every major summit. He's been to the top. All seven summits on all seven continents. He, highest peaks on each of them. 
What you don't know is that Eric suffers from a degenerative eye disease. He's done every bit of this absolutely blind. Yeah. That doesn't even add up. A blind mountain climber. Church, I can look at a mountain and I can see it plain as day. I still don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do that. He's, he's been to the top of every one of the major summits. All of this, how in the world does a man who cannot see even do that? Well, he would tell you this. He's learned to listen well. Other senses have picked up because of the lack of his eyes. So he listens to a bell that's tied to the back of the climber in front of him. And wherever that bell is going, that's where he goes. He listens to the sound of his pick jabbing into the ice to know whether his footing is going to be secure or not. For Eric, being a good listener is a matter of life and death. Maybe there's a reason God gave us two ears and only one mouth. Maybe it's to be listening more than we're talking. Let me ask you, in the relationship with God that you have, is it one-sided? Is it one of those where you're doing all the talking and you expect him to do all the listening and the doing? Are you quick to listen to God? Are you quick to allow him to speak to you? When it comes to reading God's word, there's a difference in reading the word of God and actually studying the word of God. You see, you could read a whole chapter and walk away going, well, I read a chapter. I don't know what I read, but I got it. Or you can study two scriptures Two short scriptures and actually study them, learn how to apply them to your life, and your life can change. Be quick to listen. It's important in our relationship with God, but it's also important in our relationship with others. In the same way, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. <laughs> there's times when Courtney's talking to me, but I'm not listening. She's telling me something, but I'm texting or I'm looking on the computer and I hear her talking. I can hear her just fine until she stops. And all of a sudden I'm like, what'd you stop for? And she's like, you're not listening. What did I say? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm caught, right? We've all been there. You can hear, but that doesn't mean you're listening. One way you know someone is listening is if they ask questions. It shows that they're actually paying attention. Whether it's God or other people, we need to develop the skill of hearing quickly because we cannot hear unless we are listening. Both parties in a relationship, both parties, the reason there's miscommunication, the reason there gets, becomes tension between two people and anger begins to mount up is because we want to be heard and understood. So we want the other person to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's up to them. But I need you to understand this morning, your first priority in all relationships, including the one with our Heavenly Father, is to be quick to listen. Which brings us to number two, also be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Another characteristic that God values that we don't really value. We want to be heard. We cannot listen if we're doing all the talking. Mark Twain said this. He said, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all the doubt. 
Now, when we're talking about being slow to speak, that doesn't mean you just slow down what you're saying and go, I don't agree with you. That's not what we're talking about, slow to speak. It also doesn't mean don't speak at all. That's not what that's talking about. It's a call for restraint on those things that maybe shouldn't even be said. It's controlling your tongue. We'll get to that in just a moment. If it's a reaction to something that's been said to you, it's probably not the right thing that's going to come back. Instead, I'm not going to react to what I think I heard you just say. I'm going to assume the best, and I'm going to respond to get clarity before the anger mounts up, before I come back with some witty insults. Proverbs 17, 27. It says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Think about that. Whoever has understanding is even-tempered. That's part of the problem is too many times there's a misunderstanding and that's what leads to arguments. There's a misunderstanding because someone isn't listening. You get riled because you think they said something before they even finish what they're saying. You're already upset because you think you know where they're going. And some of you, you had conversations this week and you're going, I heard that. You don't let them take you to their level. You don't let them get you riled. You understand them well enough that when something is said, it's, and you understand it's not healthy, you're going, okay, I'm not going to let them take me there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to understand the situation, even if it's the way they're speaking to me, and I'm going to stay even-tempered. Next verse in Proverbs 17 Verse 28, the next verse, he says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and thought discerning if they hold their tongues. James is talking about listening with a desire to understand. That's why he says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you ever find yourself in an argument with someone, and the whole time they're talking, you're really not listening. You're just coming up with what you want to say. You know what I'm talking about? You don't even hear them. You're just like, okay, I'm going to say this, this, and this. I'm going to win this argument because i got a really good one coming. You don't even hear them. That argument's going nowhere because no one's listening. Some of us have all the answers, but we're solving the wrong questions. We find ourselves offering solutions when we don't really understand the problem. So we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. That Greek word translated as angry, it speaks of a vengeful retribution in which self-control is lost or surrendered. Everybody has witnessed this at some point in your life, whether it's you or someone else, to where their self-control was completely turned over to the anger or the rage. We give in to that in such a way that we no longer have control. We're not controlling the anger, the anger is controlling us. You do know it's okay to get angry, right? You have permission. Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. It did not say, in your anger, you're sinning. It said, in your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry. It's when you let that anger take over that you begin to sin. 
We have to learn to control that. And that's what James is trying to help us do by being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Jesus even got angry. And the Bible says that he was sinless, lived a sinless life on this earth. But we have examples of him being angry. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Man, that quick-tempered person. What are some foolish things we do in those moments when our temper gets the best of us? Well, probably some words that shouldn't be said are going to come flying out. Usually they're four letters. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, those words that you shouldn't be saying. You wind up cursing a lot, you break things, you hurt yourself by punching the wall or breaking something, or heaven forbid, you hurt someone else. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. We let the anger get the best of us. And you find yourself angry at the wrong person. You find yourself saying something out of anger, maybe at someone who isn't even a heart of the problem. It's been really quiet today. <laughs> I expected that. That's okay. What does James tell us? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Wouldn't that solve about every problem that we've ever had? If we were just quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The majority of our problems would go away. If we would just learn to understand first before we react. There's a cause and effect here. If we're quick to listen and slow to speak, we find ourselves a lot less likely to be angry. The longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you become. And some of us like this idea. Some of you are taking notes for this reason. You're thinking, man, if I'm calmer, then I'm more convincing with my argument and I'm going to win. No, that's not what we're after. That's not the idea. Why is it important? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We get angry because we're right, and we expect that other person to see it our way, and we get angry when they don't. So here's the thing. I heard this from Andy Stanley. He said this one time, and it makes good sense. We want to be right at each other. God wants us to be right with each other. And it all comes down to being quick to listen, to trying to understand the other person. May not even have to agree in the moment. You can both walk away feeling like you were right, even if you didn't agree. But you don't have to walk away angry because you understood one another. So we know that anger cannot produce righteousness. Wrath cannot produce holiness. And that's why in verse 21, I want you to look at this. There's a connecting word here. It's the word, therefore. Look at verse 21. He says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. There's a trade-off. We're eliminating the moral filth and evil to accept the word that was already planted in us. That's the doer versus the hearer, is the fact that we actually accept what's being said. But we have to rid ourselves of some things in order to accept what is being said. That's a pretty good trade. Get rid of moral filth, accept the word that's planted in you. Get rid of moral filth, accept the word that is planted in you. 
Many of us, we have the word planted in us. We just haven't accepted it. We've got to make that trade. We've got to eliminate some of those things in order to make room for what God has spoken to us. That's why Hebrews 12.1 says this, we must throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's what we have to do in order to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's the sin that's hindering us in order to run. So we know we're supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Number four, we need to be a doer. How are we going to be a doer? It's accepting the word that's planted in us. We just said that. God doesn't speak to be heard. He speaks to be obeyed. Let's say that again. God doesn't speak to be heard. He speaks to be obeyed. And when we accept the word that's planted in us, we begin to be a doer of that word. Many of you may know Ryan Lessman. He uh, has a workout place here in town. And uh, somehow on social media, I won five weeks of working out with him. I can say I won. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced I've won anything yet. Okay. Uh, we started on Thursday. It's a 30-minute workout. And it, let me just tell you, if you have any idea of wanting to go there, change your idea. If you see him walking towards you, run the other way, because it'll be the last time you run if you go to him and let him talk you into this. I'm teasing. Please go see Ryan. I don't want to destroy his business. He's great. He's actually awesome. But he's watching today home with a sick baby. So Ryan, I do like what you're doing. But he would tell me things. He's like, all right, I want you to take these dumbbells. You're going to do leg lunges down and back twice. And you're going to take this. You're going to lift this up 10 times. And I hear him saying it, but me following through was the problem. Actually doing what he wanted was the problem. My body said no. My body said, you're done. At one point, I had to be done. I had to sit down or I was going to be falling over. It was just wearing me thin, even in 30 minutes. But everything he was doing, if I do it, it's for my benefit. It's going to pay off in the long run. It is for my benefit that I follow through with what he told me to do, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how hard it is. The more I do of what he said, the better it is for me. Now, Ryan, you're not God. But let me make this clear. When God tells you to do something, as hard as it may be, it is for your benefit. And the more you do what he says, the better off you're going to be. It's not easy. One of the most difficult things to live out in our Christian walk. To be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So let's close. Last two scriptures. Oh man, I gotta hurry. Last two scriptures. Verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. I go to church every week. I mean, I, I sing the worship songs. I might even raise my hand every once in a while. But have you got a tight rein on that tongue? If not, you're deceiving yourselves. This is James talking. This is not me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. We deceive ourselves and our religion. You know what it tells us? Our religion is worthless. Worthless. 
A problem with our tongue really means there's a problem in our heart. What is it that drives you to say the things that you're saying? Is it the fact that someone didn't agree with you? Is it the fact that you think you're right and you think they're wrong? And you're going to say whatever it takes in order to convince them, even at the point of hurting them. The reason we have to have a tight rein on our tongues, the reason we need to be slow to anger is because anger causes you to say things that you will never be able to take back. It's already been said. James is saying, if you want to call yourself a Christian, you need to keep a tight rein on that tongue or your religion is worthless. But look at the next line, next scripture. I don't know, Caroline, is that you back there? Uh, we're going to use all of this James 19 through 27 next, next service. So you can have all those ready for me if you don't mind. But verse 27 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. So remember, religion's worthless if we're not keeping a tight rein on our tongue. But what does it say? The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. First part's kind of easy if you ask me. It says, look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's kind of a given, right? Shouldn't we look after orphans and widows? Yeah, we can do that. It's that second part that gets a little difficult. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that gets harder every year. With every invention, with every new voice, with every, I hate to say it, politician that wants to be in the light, Everything they're saying is doing their best to pollute our minds. Most of what's being said is the opposite of what God's word says. I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, but you know what I'm talking about. You can find a way to be polluted real quick in the day and age that we live in. To make you think it's okay to let your anger go. Just let it out. That's who you are. No, that's who you were before Christ. But after Christ, things change. James has been telling us to hear the word and receive the word of God. Now he's telling us to act on it. You've heard it. You have to receive it in your heart. And then the action begins. Faith works. I'm not saying faith works like faith, you know, actually does work. Yes, yes, it does. But I'm saying faith is worked out in your life. It works. It goes to work. Faith is active in your life. The life of faith is not accepting Jesus and then living the same old way. The life of faith is being a hearer of the word and then accepting it and doing it. That's the whole sermon for today. I don't want you to think that faith is how you get your salvation. That's a whole nother sermon we're going to get to later in James. It's not the works that you do that are going to get you the salvation. I think I said faith. I meant works. It's not the works that you do that are going to get you to salvation. It is the faith. And it's a gift that we receive. We'll get to that part. So here's what I want to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I'm going to close by reading this scripture. And we're going to turn this scripture into a prayer. Will you hear this with me? It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of the moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So let's turn that into a prayer this morning. So we close this out. Lord, help us to be quick to listen. That means to believe the best in the other person, to try and understand them before we react. Quick to listen to your voice and the, instead of the voice of this world, anybody else that wants to tell us what morality looks like, anybody else that wants to tell us how we should handle our anger, God, may we listen to your voice first. Help us to be slow to speak, to not be so worried about being heard that we are not listening. Lord, help us to be slow to anger. To not let that anger get the best of us. That's when we respond in a negative way. We get hurt, people get hurt. Lord, help us to keep a tight rein on our tongue that in those moments where we want to say something to hurt someone, Lord, we can, we can stop, we can understand and respond instead of react. And finally, Lord, that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers only. We walk away today with an assignment. We've heard your word. It's up to us to receive and accept that word and to put it into practice. That's what makes us different. So I pray that you would help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.